This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. You can take your seats. Turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. We're going to continue talking about the importance of being one in the move of God. And it is important, and we want you to see this. We want you to see this through the scriptures. Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, starting at verse number 9. It says, two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now I want to emphasize to you here, Especially verse number nine, he says two are better than one. Now, we don't need to be math majors to understand two is, be- two is more than one, but he's not talking about simple math. He's saying two are better than one. Now, we don't have to look far. Uh, in fact, I, I used a scripture, I believe, last time that uh, we talked about this. We used, I believe, it was Deuteronomy chapter 22. It says, thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. Now, an ox and an ass is one plus one, and that's two. But according to Deuteronomy... Every two is not better. Even though you might have more, it might not be better. Uh, We looked over in the New Testament. It says, and if the blind lead the blind, they both fall in a ditch. Ditch. Now, a blind and a blind, that's two. And it's more than one, but it's not better. So in Ecclesiastes, he's talking about something specific. And I submit to you what he's talking about is God's ordained method of oneness. And God's ordained method of oneness includes fellowship. In God's fellowship, two are better than one. It's more than simple math. In God's fellowship, two are... Now, and I say God's fellowship because I'm talking biblical fellowship. That's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about biblical fellowship because we toss that word fellowship around like loose change nowadays. And everything we refer to as fellowship does not meet the guidelines of biblical fellowship. And so I want to put our focus on biblical fellowship. Biblical fellowship is what you have if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are in him, then the benefits of fellowship belong to you. Biblical fellowship. Now the key to understanding this is that if we think every time we go out to Luby's and have lunch together that we have fellowship, biblical fellowship, we might be mistaken. And we might be missing out on the benefits because we have the wrong type of fellowship. Just because you come into a church with other people and sit in the same facility at the same time listening to the same message, you may not have come into biblical fellowship. You may, not, you may have the privilege of it, but you may not have the benefits of it because you don't understand biblical fellowship. But if you would understand biblical fellowship, then you would understand two are better than one. So you can be in a place with a bunch of other people and not have the better. You can sit in a church and take notes and not have the better. And you might have companionship, but you might be missing God's biblical fellowship and not have the better. And so I wanted to take time to look at biblical fellowship. And I said... Biblical fellowship means, number one, to have unity. Biblical fellowship means to be in allegiance. It means to be of the same persuasion. It means to have oneness with one another through the sacrifice of Christ. And it means, it's not one or the other, it's all of these. And it means keeping preferred company One with another. Amen. That is an expression of sincere love and care one for another. Again, biblical fellowship means to have unity. 
It means to be in allegiance. It means to be of the same persuasion. It means to have oneness with one another through the sacrifice of Christ. And it means to keep preferred company one with another, which is an expression of sincere love and care one for another. Amen. I, I, I want to mention that, that one last thing. We're going to talk about all these to, to some extent, but uh, keeping preferred company with one another. Don't you know dogs seem to keep preferred company with their owners? But they lack a divine center of choice. They lack a soul. They're just used to you. They're just accustomed to you. They don't have anything to make a choice with. But in God's fellowship, he doesn't want you there by force. He wants you there by choice. Now, we have talked previously about to have unity. Spent uh, quite an extensive amount of time on what it means to have unity. Said to me, to have unity means to not be multiple, but we concentrated on this. To have unity means the absence of diversity. The absence of diversity. And again, I want to remind you, don't think carnal. Well, I guess you can't. But in diversity, all we do is promote our differences that we might benefit off of our differences. That's not the fellowship. That's not biblical fellowship. You know, because people hear that and think that, oh, shouldn't we see uh, many different people? Yeah, you should see many different people, but there should be an absence of diversity among us. Because uh, here's the thing. People are different. And in diversity, what we do is we promote those differences. And we recognize those differences have separated us. And it's not the differences that have separated us. You know what has separated us? Our attitude about the differences. And our attitude about those differences have kept us apart. They have separated us. They have put distance between me and another individual. Just because we're different and have an attitude about that difference. Listen, listen. A racist is not born racist. They're taught. They're taught a particular attitude about the differences. Amen. Glory to your name, God. And here's the thing about it. Where do they get that from? I want you to make sure you understand. There's a spiritual warfare that's going on. It's because the enemy does not fight fair. If he wants to give you bad counsel, he's not going to put it in a rotten piece of meat. He puts it in those that we call mamas and daddies, aunts and uncles, best friends, BFFs, or whatever they're called today. And he uses them to pass on bad counsel to us. That's why when someone comes to face to face with the truth, that's why they fight so hard to stay with the false that they have received because of who they've received it from. And I want, to, I want to make sure you understand this, okay? Because we'll hear something like racism and we'll think, yeah, they have done me wrong. But who have you done wrong? Who have you talked about? What differences have you magnified in your own heart? You know, I love how we play the victim. We're the ultimate victim. When we ourselves are the guilty parties. And the thing about it, we, we saw this. We saw in Amos. I'm not going to make you turn there. But can two walk together except they be agreed? You know, that's a rhetorical question that God asked his people because they were somewhere where they shouldn't have been. And the answer is no. Two cannot walk together except they be agreed. Now, here's the thing about walking together and being agreed. That's called fellowship. He says, now, if we're going to walk together, we need to be on the same page. Amen. Glory to your name, God. We need to be on the same page. And here's the thing about being agreed with God. God's not agreeing with you. You've got to agree with him. And we saw how God dealt with his men about their attitude about people's differences. We saw how he dealt with Peter about the differences between the Jews and the Gentiles. He says, don't you dare call unclean that which God has cleansed. Don't you call yourself better than somebody else whom God has saved, whom God has put his hands upon. We looked at Jonah. We saw that Jonah had an issue with the Ninevites because the Ninevites had done his people wrong. But here's the thing about God. God says, in me, if you're going to walk with me, you've got to be agreed with me. And those differences have separated you from them in your mind, but I want you to be a help. Those self-same people you say hurt you are the same people I need you to help. 
and vice versa. Those whom you hurt, you need those self-same people to help you. But that's God. He says, now, if we're going to walk together, now understand this, in walking with God, God is not talking about a short stroll. He's talking about a sustained relationship. He's talking about continuing, being effective, being successful in a relationship one with another. And he says, if we're going to walk together, you have to have the same mind as I do. And I want to warn you, get America out of your head. Because America promotes the diversity. And God is like, that's not so in my kingdom. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. So remember, we are different. But it's the change we have in our mind that causes us to be separated by our differences. It's the change in our minds that cause segregations in churches. Hallelujah. Now, now, and again, it's, it's just so, the enemy is so busy. So not only are we segregated in churches, well, in our segregated churches, we're segregated among the segregated. We've got the rich on this side and the poor on that side. We've got the educated on this side and the, and the not so educated on the other side. Amen. And the devil is working. See, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's the enemy getting in your mind. See, because here's the thing. We said this. The enemy knows scriptures. He knows that a threefold cord is not soon broken. And his business is breaking you. And so he understands if you understand and get the benefits of biblical fellowship, his, hard, his job becomes that much more harder. So he wants to get in your head. He wants to get in your mind. And he wants you to be separated. He wants you to be alone. He wants you to feel as though you're in this room, but you're all by yourself. See, now there are more than one, but two is now not better. Glory to your name. No, 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 no. Understand this. When I say that we have to be on the same page with God, here we are. We try to negotiate with God. God, I want your word, but I don't want to deal with your people. And why don't you want to deal with the people? Because they're different. I'm sorry, I'm just scratching my ear, you know. A dime for an amen. Galatians chapter 3. Now, now I'm still reviewing. And, and, yeah, Galatians chapter 3. Let's get on here. Verse 28. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus says, I know the Jew is different than the Greek, but it doesn't matter now. I know bond is different than the free, but it doesn't matter now. Now, he's not saying bond, break out of the bondages. <laughs> he's not saying go and rebel. He says, no matter where you are, there is no difference. There's neither male nor female. Again, males are not now females and females are not now males. You're still different, but now that difference no longer should separate you. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. See, because in diversity, I remember we said this, in diversity, here's what we end up doing. We end up saying, did you get paid the same amount I got paid? Why did you get paid more than me? It must be my difference. See, now because I promote the differences, now the differences cause us to fight. And now I'm fighting for equal representation. See, because when, there is, when we promote the differences, now we think someone has a position because they have a favorite position. We think we, there's nepotism. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to your name. Now, now we get into the nitty gritty. Now we think that if, if there's diversity, if we still have those chains in our mind, when someone is doing something we think we can do in the church, because we still have those chains in our mind, we think they got it through unfair advantages. But when those chains are removed from our mind, now this, this is the thing I really wanted to get to. This is what I really, because I said it and I don't think you really understood it. In the absence of diversity, fellowship breaks down the distance between us. Now I'm not so suspicious of you. Now you're not suspicious of me. 
Now we're all on the same level. I'm not thinking you think you're better than me. You're not thinking that I'm thinking that I'm better than you. We're all on the same level. We're just all followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. This allows us to submit to one another in love. Grab a hold of that. This allows us to submit to one another in love. Now, when God says, you, I make pastor, while you, I make you a ministry of helps, now I'm not wondering, well then, did, did, did Moses make Aaron the high priest because Aaron is his brother? You're not hearing me, are you? Because we don't have thoughts like that. We never think like that, right? We never think that, oh, he's just doing it because... God might not be behind it. It might just be our differences because you still have those chains on your mind and you have to get that off of your mind. You're not on the same page with God. See, because what's going to happen? What is happening? You know, I made mention of that about youth on the move and 10 years from now where they're going to be. Because at 17, God can give somebody a seat of authority that you presently have. And when that time comes, you've got to be settled that, you know what? It's not because they're better than me. It's because that's where God wants me to be. And I'm all right with that. Amen. This is where offenses come from. It doesn't come because there's nepotism. It doesn't come because there's favoritism. It comes because the chains are still on your mind. You have to get over it. That's when we have unity. See, that's the absence of diversity. (laughs) But this allows us to submit to one another in love. Because we need this. I, I, I can't emphasize this to you enough. We need this. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody you've been suspicious of? And I say relationship, but it doesn't have to be. It, it can be a, a business relationship. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's, let's get personal. Let's say both your parents are still alive, but now you have a step parent. You hear me? And when that step parent comes into your home and you still like who is your biological parent, there's a little suspicion going on. And that relationship never gets going while that suspicion remains. And then when someone goes to help you, you're like, why are you trying to help me? No, 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 no. Remember what we're talking about. Two are better than one. Why? Because when one falls, the other is there to lift them up. Oh, glory to your name, God. There are benefits in biblical fellowship. Because when you walk with God, you know, here's the thing about God never goes backwards. God always goes forward. And when, here's the thing about God, God doesn't not only not go backward, He doesn't stop. He keeps moving. Have you ever started taking up exercising, maybe running with somebody who's an experienced runner? They want to go further than your body will allow you to go. That's us walking with God. God keeps going, but He knows this. We're in flesh. And along our walk with God, sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we falter. Sometimes we slip. But God has made, oh my goodness, this is so good. This is blessing me. God has made provision for your falling. Turn to Psalms chapter... 37. God has made provision for your falling. Psalm 37. I want to get it right, so I'm not going to try to quote it. Psalm 37. Verse 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall. Now, 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 what's a good man doing falling? God knows along this walk. There will be bumps. There will be bruises. There will be trouble. 
And His expectation is not that we always get everything perfect. Sometimes we will slip up and make the wrong decisions and end up where we should not be. So He understands that though it's a good man, it's probably a good man might fall. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. When you fall, God has a hand. And he says two are better than one. Oh, no, you missed that. He says two are better than one. He says, now everything that I've already provided, I've already made available to you, and then I put you in fellowship. And in this fellowship, there's somebody there with you who will be my hand for you. And they'll be there to lift you up. See, in our times when we fall, what we do is we run from the fellowship. When God has made provision within the fellowship that you be helped up. Um, God is good. God is good. In this fellowship, He doesn't want you to sin, but if you do, He has a hand. He has provision. This is why I tell you, you want to be in the fellowship. Because you don't want to be alone. The enemy wants you alone because he knows if you fall alone, there's no one there to help you up. But if you can recognize in this fellowship, here's the thing about the fellowship. We all come from the same place. There's not a one of us who has overcome or attained like that. And the enemy wants you to think that you're the only one going through. The enemy wants you to think everybody else is against you. Everybody else is holy in there, beyond holy. You're the only one who's ever sniffed anything unholy. Come close to anything unholy. That's the enemy in your mind. So here you are. You say, you know, I've done things that aren't... I can't come back. Come back. Come back. God made provision that you might come back. If you really did that, which has hurt your heart, and you know it doesn't please God, oh, I'm, this makes you think of First John. First John, I want to let you know right now, First John is a book on fellowship. It's a book on fellowship. And First John says, you broken fellowship, there's provision. If you confess your sins. He's faithful. He's just to forgive and to cleanse. But here's the thing about it. If you truly are a broken heart, He is nigh unto them who are of a broken heart. He saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. The broken and the contrite heart, He will not despise. He's made provision. He said, if my people. If my people. See, King... The king had built a great and a magnificent venue for the people to worship God. But he said, you know what? God, along this walk, sometimes we're not always faithful, even though you're faithful. Sometimes we want to stop, even though you don't stop. Sometimes we turn backwards when you want to go forward. And in those times when we've looked back, when we've stopped and you kept going, when we've been on our own page and gotten off of your page, if we turn away from you, but we come back to you and say we're broken. Yes. If my people, yes. God says, I hear you. If my people yes. who are broken, who are broken that fellowship, if my people who are called by my name yes. shall humble themselves and pray yes. and seek my face yes. and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear. Yes. Then will I forgive. Yes. Then will I heal. I'll restore that broken fellowship. He's made provision. Because he understands this. I've got a hand, and I put fellowship there that you might have a hand, that you might not stay in that ditch. You may not stay fallen. And so, it's simple. God wants a restoration. He wants reconciliation. And he says, all you do is repent. And I will restore that fellowship back again. Glory to the name of the living God. Now, 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 this behooves you who think you're something else. To get out of your mind thinking that 
because someone did something that you're no longer doing, that you're better than them. You're supposed to be the hand of God. You're the one that's there to say, you know what, baby, I've been there before. But you know what, I found this out. God has a hand. And I took his hand and he pulled me up. I'm God's hand for you right now. I'm not going to, wow, this is it. I said, to have unity, it means to be in allegiance. (laughs) Hallelujah. Just just transition right into it. Uh, To be in allegiance. Uh, Turn to Philippians chapter (laughs) 4. Philippians chapter 4. See, but uh, I'll let you pull me up when I'm not suspicious of you. (laughs) Philippians chapter 4. To be in allegiance means I can count on you. And you can count on me. (laughs) Philippians chapter 4. You know, this, at least, you know, I wasn't born anywhere else. Wow, that's close to the edge. I wasn't born anywhere else. I was born here in the United States of America. And this country teaches you allegiance early. It's been a while since I've done this. But I remember going to school. I remember having a flag at school. I remember it's time for the Pledge of Allegiance. You stand up, you're supposed to put your hand over your heart and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it's... See, they're teaching allegiance early. They're saying the country should be able to count on you. <laughs> they're saying you're going to put country before anything else. Uh, hallelujah. Glory to your name. See, that's the teaching in itself. See, allegiance says... Uh, allegiance to the United States of America, says this is a great quote. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. That's called allegiance. Okay, allegiance calls that a great quote. Don't ask me if I call it a great quote or not. But allegiance says it is. So allegiance says there is loyalty and devotion. (laughs) Allegiance says we'll be loyal and devoted One to another. Wow. Loyalty is not taking damaging material that I know about you and using it against you. If I were to take the secrets of the United States of America and hand them over to the Russians, I would be, I don't know about everybody, But I will be called by this country that I pledge allegiance to a traitor. (laughs) But loyalty says, I might know information about you, but because I'm in allegiance with you, I will not use that against you. See, that's fellowship. Wow. Glory to your name, God. (laughs) Philippians chapter 4. I'm sorry, let's say chapter 4. I'm sorry, I meant chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. You know, I see it in my head, but I don't have it in numbers right. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Now, do you hear that? Let nothing be done if there's fellowship in the Spirit. What we do, we don't do in strife or in search of vain glory. See, when I am trying to get a leg up on you, If I have something on you, I'll use it against you that I might have the advantage. But that's not allegiance. But in fellowship, there is allegiance. Here's the thing about God. God is in the fellowship with us. He sets the example for us. He knows all your dirt. He knows it all. And here's the thing about God. He's not putting it out in the streets. He keeps it private. (laughs) Why? 
Because he's not after your hurt. He's after your good. <laughs> Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Ask not what your brother can do for you. Ask what you can do for your brother. That's called allegiance. When I look on your things before I look on my things, that's allegiance. Wow, do you see it? Do you see it formula? Do you see Ecclesiastes chapter 4 coming to life? Can you see now where two are better than one? Because now, in your hour of need, someone is looking out for you already. Someone already has your provision in mind. In my hour of need, someone has already had me in mind. God has already put me in their thoughts. He has already had me in the midst of their prayers. While you think that you made it on your own, you're like, whew, how did I make it out? Somebody prayed because the Spirit of God had moved and told them you needed help. And they're in allegiance. They didn't hear, God, what's going on with them? I need to get the nitty gritty and the dirt so I can spread it to so and so. So everybody can know, no, God says, we're going to keep this private. Pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. He may not even say pray. He may say, your brother needs this. Your sister needs this. God forbid that the Spirit of God can actually move in the midst of us. You know, someone gives you something, you're like, how do you know I need this? You know, just thank God. (laughs) And not only did they provide it, but they put you before their own. That's called allegiance. See, the enemy does not want you having biblical fellowship. He wants you on your own. He doesn't want you provided for. He wants you to be selfish. He wants others to be selfish toward you. So then in your hour of need, they take care of themselves and give no thought about you. But he understands if you get caught up in biblical fellowship... I am going to have a hard time getting through to you. <laughs> Amen. Glory to you. Now. See, people get caught up in numbers. It's not numbers. And, and, and I'll say this again later on because I know I have it in my notes. But it's not about how many you're with. It's about who you're with. <laughs> you better wake up and smell the coffee. So, biblical fellowship is to have unity. To be in allegiance is to be of the same persuasion. To be of the same persuasion. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 10. When I say of the same persuasion, it means to have the same conviction. Now, I want to emphasize this to you. Acts chapter 10. Yes, Acts chapter 10. I want to emphasize this to you. Because when we said to be in allegiance, that means if I'm going to be loyal to you, I might have damaging information on you, but I'm not going to use it against you. Now, all this has to be taken in balance. (laughs) Do you hear me? All right. Because some people think that they can get away with murder in the church. And some of you are just amazed. Oh, who thinks that? Now, some people think uh, they can do their dirty deeds and make sure they're protected because the church doesn't know any better. Oh, no, you don't, you don't hear me. No, no, th- now I want to preach, right? Uh, no, a husband cheats on his wife, tells somebody else, and they think that because they're in the church that they're obligated not to say anything. You fool. No, 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 that's outside. See, there are parameters within this fellowship. And we're going to talk about those parameters when we talk about being of the same persuasion. See, because people hear this and think, again, because they have no biblical sense, because they have no spiritual sense, because they are spiritually discerned, because they're not born of the Spirit and they're trying to get over, they think that I can come in with my dirty deeds and share with you and you're under obligation not to share it. But no, that's not the case. Acts chapter 10, verse 35. 
Well, well no, let's start at verse, let's read to verse 34 and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth. Now, now I've got to stop here again. I, I want to take my time. We visited this previously. And this is where God was dealing with Peter about his attitude about Gentiles. And, and he, this is where God had to deal with Peter about his attitude toward Gentiles because he was going to have to be a blessing to the Gentiles. Okay? And so he's going to be a blessing to the Gentiles. And when he's a blessing to the Gentiles, the Gentiles are able to get in on this fellowship. So then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. So, see, we've got to be on the same page with God. He's no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. That's the conviction. <laughs> Did y'all miss that? That's the conviction. That's too short of scripture. No, that's the conviction. In every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. No, 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 that's the conviction. That's the persuasion. Fear God, work righteousness. So, see, it's not one or the other, it's all the above. You know, to have unity, to be in allegiance. And to have the same persuasion. And our persuasion is that we fear God and we work righteousness. Uh, glory to you now. I know that's just too simple. It's like, oh, man, I, I know this already, do you? I'm teaching you about biblical fellowship. You see, because what happens is we get with somebody who's in church with us, but they're not fearing God and they're not working righteousness. And we say we have fellowship with them when we should not. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'm trying to teach you what the persuasion is. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The persuasion isn't, I like how that pastor teaches. That's not the persuasion. That's not the conviction. The conviction is to fear God and to work righteousness. Without that, we are not in fellowship. Oh, you don't hear me. Without that, we are not in fellowship. I don't care who you're related to, biologically, if you do not fear God and you do not work righteousness, you're outside of the fellowship. I'm not keeping secrets for you when you're not fearing God and you're not working righteousness. Now, it's something different when I know something about you while you're pursuing and walking with Him. But you refuse to walk with Him and you want to do whatever it is you do and tell other, others about it. I'm not obligated to keep that undercover. See, my love is not obligated to cover that sin. Oh, see, uh, yeah, you see, that, that's a little sprinkled amen here and there. Because we need to understand this. Because there are those who come in the church and they do what they want to do. They're not on the page with God. And we have no fellowship if we're not on the same page with God. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Because again, this is why I say we... Throw that word fellowship out like loose change. Here it is. Oh my goodness. Slow down, my brother. Slow down. Slow down. But here it is. We give the word on a regular basis. You know, every Sunday morning, 845 of this family life, we're giving out the word. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, we're giving out the word. Sunday evening, 6 o'clock, we're giving out the word. Women of Covenant get together. They give out the word. Men of integrity get together. They give out the word. Wednesday night we come. We give out the word. But let us have a picnic. Oh, no, 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 no. Let us have a picnic. And then, where are those that we gave the word to? They're there, but there are a whole bunch who never come for the word. Oh, y'all are a hard crowd tonight, huh? I mean, this morning, y'all are, y'all are real hard on this one, right? No, you understand fully what I'm talking about. Let us have a function where it's not centered around the Word of God, where we learn to fear Him and work righteousness, and then some people don't have any issue and they say they're part of the fellowship. I'm sorry, that's not biblical fellowship that we have. Oh, 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 my goodness. Am I lying? I am not lying. You know this is the truth. 
See, but here's the thing. When that fellow falls, because they're not in biblical fellowship, they don't have the benefits of biblical fellowship, they fall hard. And then you'll hear them come up, and it's the enemy working. That church doesn't love. That church didn't visit me. When all, all that time before, we were calling you up. We were saying, where have you been? In the time of your prosperity. And you confuse your prosperity with biblical fellowship. But you're not of the same persuasion. And the persuasion is to fear Him and work righteousness. And when we do that, we're accepted with Him. And I don't care who accepts you. If we're not accepted of God, we don't have biblical fellowship. Are you in Ecclesiastes chapter 12? Verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. When we get through all this wisdom that God has given this man, let's hear the summation of it all. When we put it all together, when we process all this godly wisdom that has been handed down to him, let's hear the conclusion of it all. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is a whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. <laughs> Amen. He says, here's, here's the summation of it all. If you want wisdom, fear God. Keep His commandments. Now, so what's the opposite of wisdom? I, I'm, I'm, that's just the question. What's the opposite of wisdom? Foolishness. So anything outside of that, now I'm, I'm telling you, it is foolishness to come here every Sunday. Foolishness to have a Bible in your lap. Foolishness to take notes and then not fear Him and not work righteousness. That is foolish. Go home. Stop wasting your time. Our energy bills could be less. You can watch the NFL today. You can watch hockey or whatever it is that you watch. Make the decision. Either you are part of the fellowship or you are not. And you want to be a part of the fellowship because two are better than one. God wants you in the fellowship. And it's foolishness for God to have the doors open for you and you refuse to enter in. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Turn to Psalms chapter 34. Psalm 34. I'm talking about our persuasion. This is our persuasion. This is our conviction. Fear God. Obey his commandments. That's called working righteousness. Psalms 34. Don't you understand? The result of obeying his commandments is called righteousness. Psalms 34. Wow. Verse 11. Come, ye children. Because remember, Peter said, God has no respect of persons. But in every nation, whoever fears Him, whoever works righteousness, the preacher in Ecclesiastes says the conclusion of the matter is to fear God. Look at what David says. Verse 11, come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So he's about to teach the fear of the Lord. Verse 12, what man is he that desires life and loveth many days that he may see good? Now, that's an interesting question. Who doesn't want this? Who doesn't want life? Who doesn't want many days? Who doesn't want to see good? Anybody in their right mind will want this. What man is he, verse 12, what man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Well, if you want it, here's what you got to do. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace 
and pursue it. That is the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. Amen. But that's our persuasion. That's our conviction. We all have this same conviction. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Always understand this. God just gives his word. (laughs) He just gives it. In this day and age, we like to be entertained. We like to have our flesh tickled. When God is like, I don't care if your flesh gets tickled or not, you will hear my word. And once you hear the word, guess who's responsible for it? Hallelujah. Now, Now, let me say this. Guess who's also responsible for it? Not only those who hear it, but those who are supposed to. So none of this, I'm not going to church, so I'm not, no, no, you were supposed to be there. And whether you're there or not, he's going to give his word. Romans chapter 4. This is why it's funny when people say, man, how did this happen? Did you give yourself to hearing his word? Did you make provision for his word? Did you make room for his word? Or were you on your own page and say, God, you've got to get on my page and on my schedule. You've got to minister to me when it's convenient for me. Can two walk together except they be agreed? And God's like, I'm not agreeing with you. You have to agree with me. Romans chapter 4. Oh, verse 18. This is Abraham's testimony. I don't know if you're familiar with Abraham or not, but Abraham is a man of the scriptures who in his old age wanted a child. And in his old age, God said, you will have a child. And then in his old age, having God told him that he would have a child, God had him wait to be even older (laughs) before he brought it to pass. And eventually it came to pass. And so now in Romans chapter 4, the Holy Spirit is trying to give us insight into the testimony of Abraham. Verse 18 says, Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope. Yeah, that's a powerful statement to me. Who against hope, believed in hope. Now, now here's the thing about it. Abraham was an old man. So I imagine that he got up and checked what day it was and looked at his pill package and said, today I take these pills. And he says, you know what, I'm old. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> he saw how everybody else was dressing. And he still remembered, you know, it, you know it's, it's 2000 and what is 19. He still dressed like it was 1980. And he saw how everybody else was dressing. He said, you know what, I'm old. I imagine he went to the bathroom to get ready for his day. I imagine he went to comb his hair and looked in the mirror and said, man, I'm old. I imagine he went to the doctor because he had a doctor's appointment. And the doctor testified to him, man, you are old. All that is against hope. Because this old man was told by God that he would have a child. And everything around him told him that he was old. That's against hope. Mm. Who against hope believed in hope. Everything about him said you're too old. He looked at his wife and said, you're old and I'm older. This ain't going to work out. See, he saw that on a regular basis. I'm sure the enemy tried to use those circumstances to speak to his mind that "Mm, you ought to just give up. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, which God spoke so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Now dead. Glory to your name, God. He considered not his own body, now dead. I love that. I love it. You you know, you you want to talk about facts? You know, facts are subject to change. He says, yeah, that's the fact today, but the truth is always greater than fact. 
and I found the Word of God. And I grabbed a hold of the Word of God and I recognize that truth overcomes every fact. So against hope, I can believe in hope. Not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead. Even his own body was against him. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Why? Because he was fully persuaded. Glory to God. See, this is our persuasion. When everything in his body said, stop obeying God, why do you have that hope? He said, God is going to be true. I don't care what the circumstances say today. I don't care what my wife says today. I don't care what my children say today. I don't care what the popular news report is of the day. I am fully persuaded he's faithful. And because he is, I'm going to fear him. I'm going to do his will. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to work righteousness. See, that's our persuasion. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised. Who promised? God promised. That what God promised. You know, you can make me some promises and I can be kind of shaky about your promises. Really? Okay. (laughs) But when God promises, it's sure. And this fellowship is not banked on your promises. This fellowship is not banked on your faithfulness. This biblical fellowship is banked on his faithfulness and his promise. And that is where my persuasion lies. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, it's, it's just good to know because on this walk, some of you know this. You, you, you know, you start out one way. And you got everything you think you wanted. Everything you ever imagined. You start out on this walk and then what you thought you would have forever forsakes you. And you keep walking And that which you depended so mightily on on this earth fades away. But you keep walking because you're persuaded. And in the end, God will show himself faithful. Somebody's a witness in here. Somebody can testify of that in here. That, yeah, the thing I thought I could never live without, now I have made it. God has upheld me. I cried my last tear and I found that God was there to receive me. And to comfort me. See, this is our persuasion. <laughs> it's not about how many are with us. It's about who's with us. It's not like being among the people with the same persuasion. That's why I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Because I spend Monday through Friday around those who don't have the same persuasion. And the enemy tries to use them to get in my head, but I know they're not the issue because I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. (laughs) He just wants to knock me off of my persuasion to get me out of this fellowship so that when I fall, I'm all alone. But that's why you come on Wednesdays to get re-energized and to remember, to get reminded he's faithful. He promised he's going to come through. To be persuaded means I'm going all the way in spite of the noise. I'm going all the way in spite of the noise. You're in Romans. Turn to chapter 8. Verse 18. See, this is, this is us talking. This is our biblical fellowship talking. For I reckon, Romans 8 and 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present... Can, can I give you this about reckon? This is an old note I had that I, I ran across recently. Reckon means to arm your mind. <laughs> it means to arm your mind with this. Arm your mind with this. The sufferings of this present time. I know it hurts. I know it feels like this season will never end. But it's just a present time. And the sufferings and the hurts and the pains and the disappointments of this present time. That's the noise. They're not worthy. To be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Oh my goodness, that makes you want to shout. It makes you want to shout. You know, as deep as your hurt is, there's a glory that's greater. There's a glory that exceeds. There's a glory that consumes the darkness. 
so much that the darkness is not even a memory anymore. I'm fully persuaded. That's where I'm headed. That's why I keep walking. That's why I don't let the noise stop me. That's why I can rejoice when everybody else is crying. That's why late in the midnight hour, in the midst of my feet held fast, being held fast in socks, I can praise, I can glorify, and I can give thanks and say, what can I do for you? Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Here's our persuasion. Here's our conviction. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing. You know what well-doing is? Fearing God. Keeping His commandments. Working righteousness. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What is that reaping? It's that glory that shall be revealed in us. But we can't faint. We can't stop. Oh my goodness, I'm telling you, this is why I love you, Church of Living Water. This is why I love you, because you're of the same persuasion. You're going all the way. You've decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back in you. There's no turning back among us. That's the people I want to walk with. That's the people I want to be with. See, I, I, I prefer to keep company with these people. These are the people I want to ride with. Because I don't want to be weary and they're not letting me be weary. I'm not going to let you be weary because we all have the same conviction. We all have the same persuasion. You, you see, when, when someone comes to you and, and tries to encourage you and provoke you, that's an act of love. They're saying, no, 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 stay, stay awake. Don't fall asleep. Don't sleep. No, no. Now's the time to be awake. Now's the time of day. We get on you that are younger who have energy. Again, I hear my mother. I hear my mother in her 90s saying, do all you can for God while you can. Because the day might come. If you, if you be blessed to get old enough where you want to, but you can't. <laughs> and I love it. I, I love it. Again, these things encourage me. God knows how to encourage me. When you got a, a mother in her 90s who's fully persuaded. <laughs> who musters up the energy. Who finds it. Uh, then what excuse do you have? <laughs> what excuse do you have? You know, you look at yourself, boy, get up. <laughs> boy, get up. You ought to be ashamed of yourself even having that thought. That thought itself is sin. Let's not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 42. You know, I really didn't mean to go through all these scriptures, but, but I just can't help myself. <laughs> it's good to remember what we're in this for. It's good to remember why you came. Hallelujah to your name, God. It's good to remember why you came. See, because on this earth, people come and people go. People we depend on. People we leaned on. But God remains the same. Galatians. I mean, Jeremiah chapter 42, verse number 10. This came to my mind just because a few Wednesdays ago we went over this and I didn't give it the time that I wanted to give it. But this is a place where these people are now suffering because they missed God. The nation had missed God, done, they had done what God told them not to do. They had committed adultery against God. They had committed fornication with other gods. And now they are paying the price. But now they're turning to God and saying, God, what should we do? And God has an answer for them. Let me tell you, this is, this is, this is the reason I want to go here because this is us. This is so much us. Because in as much, I know, you, I know you're having a good day. You may have had some good weeks. But there is trouble. And sometimes when we come across trouble, we make wrong decisions. And on the other side of the decision, we say, why do we do that? And we miss God and we're paying the price for missing God. And then we need to turn to God and say, God, what should we do? Because he's made provision. 
And so when you turn to him, he'll answer. So Jeremiah 42, verse 10, here's God's answer to him. If you will still abide in this land, then will I build you. Oh, glory to God. Do you hear that? Oh, sometimes I just need to hear stuff like that. Because sometimes when we've missed it, we've missed the mark. We've come short when we know we, sh- we had no business coming short, but we come short. Then God says, you know what? Abide. Stay the course. Don't change the actions that I gave you to do. Don't change those instructions. Don't deviate from that. They'll still hold true. And if you keep along that path, what's that path? Fear me. Keep my commandments. Keep working righteousness. Even though you're in a bad spot now, abide. If you will still abide in this land, then will I build you. Have you ever disappointed somebody that you love? And that disappointment hurts so much. But then they turn to you and say, but honey, I love you. Baby, I love you. You know, this is not the end of our relationship. We're going to restore things. Oh, I'm telling you, and the latter shall be greater than the former. <laughs> Glory to your name. Glory to you. That's ministering to me. The latter shall be greater than the former. I, I, I know you don't see it now. See, but God is going to move you to a better place. Going to move you to a stronger position. <laughs> that the mistakes you made yesterday, you won't make tomorrow. If you will still abide in this land, then will I build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I'll repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. You know, when God says repent, that means he's moved from a spot of judgment to mercy. He says that's enough judgment. And now that you turn to me, I'll deliver to you mercy. Glory to your name. And if you would receive my mercy, I'll build you up and I will not tear you down. I'll plant you and I'll not pluck you up. And when God has planted you, you're solid. You're solid. When God has planted me, I'm solid. See, that's my persuasion. That's why I keep moving forward in spite of the noise. I refuse to stop. I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care about your mistakes, and I don't care about my mistakes. God is faithful. Psalm 27. I hope you're hearing the voice of God. Psalm 27. This is one of my favorites. <laughs> Verse 13. I had fainted. So I, I would have fainted. Because I had opportunity to faint. I had an opportunity to stop. I, I had opportunity to say, that's enough, no more. I would have, unless I had. <laughs> this is what I kept before me. But unless I had this persuasion... I would have fainted. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's why I tell you, keep your eye on Jesus. (laughs) Keep your eye on the hope he has set before us. Because there will be a lot of noise on the way. And if you listen to the noise, if you be like Peter out of that boat and pay attention to the winds and the waves, you'll sink. I'm telling you, and this is why in fellowship, sometimes you get by yourself and you can be overcome with these thoughts of sinking. You can be overcome with these thoughts of it's not working. It's not making a difference. But when you come to the fellowship and get his hand, someone pulls you up and says, no, 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 no. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by his spirit. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if you faint not. And we find our strength again. We get encouraged. Because of biblical fellowship. Not because we went to Luby's. Not because we sat in a church with somebody else. 
I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Last scripture, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 22. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. (laughs) He will save. He will deliver. That's the persuasion. That's our conviction. That's why I fear him. That's why I keep his commandments. That's why I work righteousness. That I might be accepted of him who saves, who delivers, who will be faithful. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.